This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, we've uh, talked about money laundering a fair bit on this program. We've had Sam Cooper, a journalist who's done a lot of work on that file. He's joined us a couple of times. Uh, But looking at uh, his work, uh, you might wonder why it was happening for so long when it appeared government wasn't really paying attention. Well, that is what my next guest has written about. Dermot Travis is the executive director of Integrity BC and joins us on the line now. Dermot, thanks for being here. Good to be with you, Jill. Good to have you. Uh, you've kind of laid out a timeline and looked yeah. at this, and it does read like, well, it reads like something that makes you shake your head. It does. I, I was actually taken aback by it when I realized that the Auditor General of BC in 2005 started flagging concerns. And we see a government that actually, uh, under Christy Clark, tabulated what the cost would be if they moved to eradicate money laundering, which is a shocking scenario for them to have developed in the first place. With the, the, uh, the inference there being that turning a blind eye because it's uh, bringing in revenues. Oh, yeah. It, it, it I'm, I'm looking right now that they looked and, according to Sam Cooper's reporting, came up with either a loss of between $18.6 million to as high as $47 million to the provincial treasury if they actually moved and tried to tighten the rules. And that's a bit of a shock that the government would have actually looked at that and then, once they'd looked at it, not done anything about it. And looking back to, uh, and a lot of this also uh, Sam Cooper's uh, reporting, uh, the, 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 just this idea of millions of dollars in $20 bills filtering through casinos and, and the people with the casino saying, no, there's no, there's no money laundering here. Move along. Nothing to see. Yeah, I, I sort of had visions of one of those sort of cartoon characters at one point. Um, the vice president of security and compliance at Great Canadian Gaming in 2015, said in, inter- in an interview with Business in Vancouver, money laundering doesn't happen. And, I, and the cartoon character that came to my head was one of those little villains behind him, walking along with a big sack in his hand. This is a casino that one month before the vice president of security and compliance made that statement, $13.5 million walked into one of their facilities in $20 bills. Uh, River Rock Casino. And I found it shocking that he would actually make such a forthright statement. Money laundering doesn't happen at our facilities. I found it equally shocking that he's no longer the vice president of security and compliance at Great Canadian Gaming. He's now the vice president of security and compliance at BC Lottery Corporation. And it made my jaw drop when I found that out. <laughs> Uh, it does seem, and I think you've written this too, that you, that you can't make this stuff up. No, and, and you know, we've seen this sort of revolving door as well between the BC Lottery Corporation and casinos. Normally, the revolving door goes uh, from the BC Lottery Corporation to a casino position. Uh, uh, their last uh, CEO left, Michael Graydon, to go at uh, Paragon Gaming. Uh, the CEO before that left to go to Great Canadian Gaming. But what you don't have at the same level is the revolving door going into BC Lottery Corporation and with the Vice President uh, uh, Robert Croker. You've now seen this where you've gone from a government job, which he had, to a casino job, back to the BC Lottery Corporation. And it raises questions about the appropriateness of that.
Uh, do you think people got kind of uh, perhaps a sense that something was being done? Because I remember uh, reporting on this in 2011 as well, and that's when the Lottery Corporation was fined by FinTrack, which uh, follows all of these things and is supposed to be looking at these transactions, and was fined for hundreds of errors with reporting track uh, cash transactions over $10,000. There's a sense, and this is the one good thing about Sam Cooper's articles. I think there's, in the past, has been a sense that government was handling it. And I think that what we've seen with Sam Cooper's articles is government was choosing not to handle it. Are they choosing to look at it but not get too close to it? And I'm thinking in particular now of the MNP report uh, that Mike Young commissioned when he was the former finance minister. Uh, that really looked at that $13.5 million in $20 bills that walked in in July 2015. What I found interesting about that report is the only reason we know about it is because of Sam Cooper. Uh, there was no announcement that the government had ever hired MNP. Uh, there was no release of their report. And when I look at the replies to what you were asking about in your question regarding the FinTrack uh, fine, You'll never see any reference in that reply or subsequent replies by the government to an MNP report. So it makes you think that they really didn't want too much public attention as to what they were doing or not doing. Uh, Do you think it also is, and I think maybe this is changing a bit because we've had other uh, journalists, Kathy Tomlinson, writing, linking this to housing and private loans and how it might have an impact on housing in Vancouver. Uh, But do you think it's it's the type of thing that people, I'm not suggesting that government should turn a blind eye, but even the public maybe doesn't pay as as much attention in that you don't feel like there are a lot of victims in this crime or it's only the, the small group, the people who are directly involved? I think, actually, with Kathy Tomlinson's articles, uh, she really drove home the idea that this isn't just $20 bills getting cleaned at the casino. This is affecting our real estate prices. It's also having an impact on the drug trade in Metro Vancouver, particularly with fentanyl. And one of the things I think that has happened as a result of that is the public has waken up to the fact that this laundering is not a victimless crime. Uh, it's impacting everyday, ordinary people in Metro Vancouver. And because of that, I think we're going to see far more action from the government, quite frankly. And we know that the Attorney General, David Eby, is off to Ottawa this week to talk uh, to a federal committee on what the government is doing with money laundering. And I think that's a good first step. But the idea that this has all happened and there's been no price in our quality of life, our community uh, in Metro Vancouver is not right. We have had a tremendous impact. We've also had a government, quite frankly, under Mike DeYoung, who was the Solicitor General at one point, <clears throat> uh, Rich Coleman, who was the Solicitor General, who kept turning a blind eye to it. And they turned a blind eye for whatever reasons that they felt were right, but we paid the price for it. All right, Dermot, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. But uh, thanks so much for joining us and for writing about this, uh, for thanks. sure. Thanks for being here. That is Dermot Travis. He is the executive director of Integrity BC, and he has written about the timeline and taking a look at just how long money laundering has actually been a big issue in BC. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, 
TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.